Welcome to the Paleo View. I'm Stacy Toth of PaleoParents.com. You might also know me as the broth lady or the inventor of the hashtag more vegetables than a vegetarian. I'm the co-author of several paleo cookbooks, including Eat Like a Dinosaur, Beyond Bacon, Real Life Paleo. I like to talk about health at any size and self-love and personal acceptance. Specifically, I have a love for lifting heavy things. If you're interested in finding more out about that, you can also find me on Strong Woman Radio. And I'm Dr. Sarah Valentine of thepaleomom.com. I'm the New York Times bestselling author of The Paleo Approach and The Paleo Approach Cookbook. I'm passionate about nutrient density and the intersection of diet and lifestyle with health, which really means I just love talking about science. News and views, where Sarah and I catch up, you get to listen to our Welcome back to the Paleo View. Hi, Sarah. <laughs> uh, how are you? You sounded like you sounded you're croaky a little bit. Are you feeling okay? I I mean, yeah. I I think I'm croaky just because I'm tired, but I'm dealing with this back pain stuff. Um, and last week I didn't go to work to let it rest, and then this week I'm trying to go back to work, and it's just it's a lot on my body to you know have the stress of work and recover from a back injury, but. Um, Otherwise, I'm great. I had a wonderful Halloween and um, all that jazz. I really felt <laughs> like I needed to do jazz hands right there, but I I felt the jazz hands. I didn't I pull feel them. I I didn't I didn't pull through all the way on that one. But okay, I'll do them for you. Jazz hands. I re- I recently rewatched Pitch Perfect and Pitch Perfect Two, so I'm just imagining us all on stage with jazz hands. Um, yeah. It will happen someday. So how put, it, are put you? in your requests on iTunes. <laughs> Stop <laughs> encouraging people to ask us to do embarrassing things. It's going to happen someday. Um, I'm, I, I'm exhausted. So I, I guess I should tell you that I have a listener inner person. right beside me. Um, I think you can give her a better title than a listener, listener, listener person. in so, thing. So Claire Wiseman uh, is one of my team members, and we've been trying to figure out her job title for the last couple of days. And I think we landed on Random Task Wizard is Claire's official title. Yes, um, proud. Claire has been here for the last two days. We've been filming um, companion cooking videos to go with some of the meal plans in the Healing Kitchen. And, uh, it took a lot longer than we thought it would. And it was a lot more work than we anticipated. And, uh, I think both of us are having, um, sort of like blurry vision (laughs) because, (laughs) because of just how like tired we both are. So, um, Claire, welcome to the podcast. You get to listen to this podcast every week. I do. And now it's you're one here. of my random tasks. It is one of your random tasks. <laughs> and um, Claire actually asked, she was so excited because she listens to us every week. And Claire listened to us before. Yeah, that's actually how I found um, Sarah is I started listening to the podcast. Is that like, really? Yeah. Yeah, I think I Googled paleo podcasts or something. I don't really know how I found you, but. Um, so you started listening to the podcast. Yeah. You came and met us at a book signing in Nashville mm-hmm. almost a year ago. Yeah. 
And then I was looking for an assistant and you applied and all of the stars aligned. Yeah. And here you are, random task wizard. Here I am. So, um, Stacey, I totally understand your thing about making eye contact during podcasts right now because I'm finding it a little bit awkward. You see what I'm saying? (laughs) It gets easier over time, though. It does. You've got more experience now. Yeah. I feel like I have to look at you because you're my boss. You know, so you will, you will not lose you. your job over lack of eye contact <laughs> okay. for the next 45 minutes no, is all I'm saying. <laughs> so, um, so Claire's had a, a nice little like immersion experience in the life of the paleo mom. Yes. Yes. And seen the incredible balancing act that that becomes some days. It's very impressive. And, very uh, it just is what it is. And, um, she got to work out with me yesterday. And yeah, and then we've just been, we've been uh, just uh, being goofy in front of a camera, which sounds like it should be more fun than it is. But by the end of the day, it's just really tiring. It's just really hot. It's really hot. Oh, we warmed up that kitchen. It was, we got the kitchen up to 85 degrees. Something warm. Yeah. That was not. That's an impressive feat in November. Yes. Well, it's like 65 outside here. I live in Indiana. I'm from Indiana. And so I keep telling Sarah who is from Canada and should know better than it's not actually cold outside because it's 65. In so, Georgia. so a, I grew up in a very mild part of Canada because that is a thing. And I don't think people understand that there are mild parts of Canada. It's all North of the United States. It's all North of Minnesota. This is what I don't understand. No, it's actually not all North of Minnesota. There's a little dip. curves, doesn't it? It does. Okay. And, um, Oceans are amazing things. Oh, that's true. They they do great things to climates. So there's oceans, and uh, it's not all of like tundra. <laughs> it's not all of frozen wasteland. Um, and even the frozen wastelandy bits are only frozen wastelandy bits for part of the year. It's a thing. So um, B, I've lived in warm climates now for a decade, and uh, the I blood thinning something something. Yeah, I lived in Florida I, for a year. And I've been wimpified. I've been wimpified. I've been spoiled is what I've been spoiled with lovely climates because I lived in Arizona before I lived in Georgia. What's the weather like in, in the D.C. area? So it has been a tops-down situation in the convertible. It's super nice. Uh, um, we had a couple of cold days like where it was just all of a sudden we got really cold, cold fronts that felt like winter. But then for the most part, it's been like, high 60s like maybe high 50s um which you know i'm in november i'm happy to take that because we've had some novembers where it's already been snowing so i keep forgetting it's november yeah it's it's like my birthday in two weeks and i'm like not i'm not i'm not ready for it They've got Christmas decorations out. You got to get ramped up. You got to get ready. I could, get, I could get ready for Christmas. Let's just skip over. No, I, so I actually started my Thanksgiving cooking yesterday. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> so, but what it was, was I had these beautiful hibiscus flowers from the farmer's market and I had discovered how delightful hibiscus cranberry sauce is. So you basically make cranberry sauce as usual and you add the hibiscus flowers and I didn't want them to go bad. So I had to make it. So I was like, oh, I'll just make this. It's like a, it was like a triple batch of cranberry sauce, basically. 
and then I just put it in the freezer. So now I'm good. I'm good. Cranberry sauce made. Tick. It's a check mark right there. So because we have Claire, who asked first asked if she could watch us record a podcast, which I thought <laughs> Would make that's, me feel really creepy. awkward. Yeah, that's yeah, a creepy factor. A little bit. A little you bit always, much. you always say it's stalking when people end up in your doorstep, and that would kind of been have the definition of it if you guys were yeah. together. But does it count if Sarah says, "Claire, do you want to fly to my house in five days?" And hang out <laughs> I did with only me? give you five days notice for this trip, didn't I? Yeah. And she said, "I have to film a podcast on Tuesday night." It's not like I brought it up. It's true. It's I said a low, it's a low level of creeping. I'll well, okay. I, I like no, that no. she's standing up for herself here. This is so. Good. So let's let's clarify. I said I have to record a podcast on Tuesday night, and you said, oh, "Can I watch you?" No, I actually said, "OMG, can I watch?" You and did I say never, OMG. I've never prefaced anything with OMG. In that my you did. Life. You actually it was not on the internet. Said OMG. It's been at least ten years. Um, that did happen. You made yourself seem much older in that moment. Did I? It's been a thing. So, um, so yes. And then I said, no, you can't watch, but you can join us. And here you are. Here I am. So everything I've ever dreamed of. <laughs> so, um, random task wizard mm-hmm. who has been a cameraman all day slash food preparer slash washing dishes monkey. Yeah. It's been good times, but I thought it'd be really interesting because you do have an interesting story and you have a challenge in your paleo journey that Stacy and I don't have, which is, you know, we have this challenge of how do you do paleo with a family? You have the entire flip side of that coin, which is how do you do paleo as a single person? And that, ha- that's, that's not odd, like, that's not easier. It's just hard in a completely different way. And, um, and it's not something that we talk about on the podcast very often because we tend to, you know, we've got family, so we tend to like and enjoy focusing on, on more family topics, but you get, you get to bring a whole different, a whole different perspective to that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, it's interesting because I think it's something that, um, you know, not a whole lot of people talk about in the paleo community. Um, there are definitely, you know, bloggers who focus on, on that sort of thing, but I think they're maybe not as um, well-known as, as others who focus on families and that kind of thing. It, it's, it's tough to find like, um, paleo on a budget for one person, right? It's hard to find like paleo recipes for two people, you know, like two servings. Um, so I don't know. Do you want me to like, and, and recipes don't have typically often very well. Like it's, no. it's not, you can't, the chemistry doesn't work often when you just cut the proportions. No, down. no, it doesn't. And a lot of times it's, it's, um, I basically gave up on doing that. I just freeze everything, throw it in the freezer. It's going bad. I throw it in the freezer. So, um, I don't even try, but, and that's it. Tips for single people right there. Yeah. Buy a chest freezer is my tip. Buy a baby chest freezer. That's also, I mean, we, I do the same thing, but instead of making one batch of something and freezing all the leftovers, I make two batches or three batches. Like it's sort of, it just increases the volume. And therefore, the size of the frying pan that you need to have. Yes, as indeed. <laughs> established, I pulled out my 13-inch frying pan, and uh, Claire saw it. I was like, "That's is that is that a is that a skillet?" I was like, "Yep, yes, it is." I think I actually said, "How many pounds of meat can you? Fry How many pounds of meat can you fry?" <laughs> she in said that? seven. Said at least seven. I'm sure. 
Well, why don't you, why don't you share a bit of your story? Cause I don't think okay. we've actually, yeah, let's, let's, let's pull back a little bit. Okay. And how did you get let's, to paleo? Let's first imagine for ourselves why she would want to get further immersed in our weirdness after meeting us in Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> like I fully expect that after people meet us, that they are like, okay, done with that, moving along. I would never imagine someone would, like, be so interested after that that they would actually want to. It's it's almost like, like Dracula capturing people in his castle. Like, ha, 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 we've got you now, Claire. A little. It's a, yeah. I, did, I never really thought of myself as, as Dracula before. Well, so when yeah. I saw this job advertised, I don't know if this is – if you want to cut this out or whatever, but – um. I didn't know. I just knew that it was a job with a blogger. I didn't know that it was Sarah. That's true. And so it was very tricky. And I was in a place where I, so my, um, my degrees in journalism, I was a newspaper reporter for two years after college. And I had gotten to a point where I just really didn't feel like I was doing the job that I was supposed to be doing. I wasn't, um, I was both unhappy and very, um, unmotivated. And that's very unusual for me. I'm very, driven and I'm very task oriented. And, and, you know, since I had started as a reporter, I had very much wanted to be the best reporter. Right. And I, um, I didn't have that motivation anymore. And so I was looking for a job and I knew that I wanted to be back in Indianapolis, um, which is um, close to where I went to school and where most of my college friends live and most of my friends in general live. And so I, um, I was looking for other jobs and I had gotten to the point where I decided that I, might even just quit my job and work at like Whole Foods um, because that sounded like more fun than it probably actually, it, it sounded like discounts is what it sounded like. But anyway, so I, uh, I was that's, looking for other- That's a piece of advice for single people on paleo. <laughs> Seriously. Get a job with discounts. <laughs> work at Whole Foods on the weekends or something. Yeah. I yeah. think Trader Joe's gives good discounts too. Oh my gosh. Trader Joe's is a phenomenal employer from what I have heard. I have Cos- a good Costco friend. Too, I've there. heard really good things about Costco. Yeah. yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm I mean, all of those places from, because they're all places as I shop, yeah. they seem to have really high retention they of do. their employees. And just like happy the same people there year yeah. after year. And yeah. you don't see that in other places. Yes. Yes. Um, so I just very fortuitously saw um, a post about this job and I knew that it was worth a paleo blogger and I didn't know who it was. And I had an interview with um, someone else on Sarah's team first, who I, again, didn't actually know was working for Sarah. Um, and then I, uh, I didn't know that my interview was with her until I saw her on Skype. And so, um, you didn't know that I was going to, when you I didn't set know, up our interview, no, I didn't, didn't know, know it was going to be me, me until it was, no, I saw you, you added me. And so I had you about, handled it really well. I had about 10 seconds. Um, I give a great interview. It's like one of my three skills. Yeah. I hired you based on it, but, yeah. um, but I, yeah, I had like 10 seconds of lead time and I didn't know it was you. And I was actually really, I was really nervous that it was going to be somebody whose work I hadn't followed and who I didn't know anything about. And I weirdly, because I listened to the podcast so much, um, I just learned really well with like auditory stuff. And I had been through the, I mean, I had been through the entire archives. Like I had listened to every single, so I felt like I knew way more about you than I'm I probably really worried should. about your mental health, Claire. <laughs> Weirder you, when you say it out loud, you, you know? know. You know, Stacey, when we like see comments from fans, we're like, 
you know, I, I just found your podcast and I've, I'm, I'm up to, you know, episode 85, but I've been listening to them, I've been binge listening to them for the last week. And we're like, Oh, well, this is what it is. What? So I started listening and I got two, I got two podcasts in and I was like, so I feel like they both know what they're talking about. Right. And I, I can't sit in front of my computer for eight hours a day and read about all the paleo topics that I'm interested in. Right. Like I can't go through and find like the paleo for single people episode or, or post and then read like this post about this thing and then read this post about thyroid health and read this post about vegetables, but I can listen to them while I'm driving and I'm going places and I'm cooking and I'm cleaning and whatever. And so, uh, for me, it was much more about like people that I trust giving me information that I'm interested in than it was like, I really want to know what they did with their families. This week. You know what I mean? Like it's cool and everything, but that's not, that's not why I listened that much, but that stuff leaks into your brain. And then you're like, Oh God, I wake up on a Tuesday morning and I know way more about Sarah Valentine than I ever thought I possibly know. It's an uncomfortable place, but I live in it. So what are you going to do? <laughs> So I completely so, derailed uh, you. Something about Whole yeah. Foods, your story. Whole Foods. Oh yeah. So okay. So uh, that was not the beginning of the story. So I um. So I'm 25. I am single. I live in Indianapolis. You're 25 in three days, by the way. I Happy turned 25 on Saturday. Thank you. Um. I um. So when I graduated from college, I was working um as an intern at a newspaper in Florida and um really loved my life had a great um had a great kind of social life um was really happy working really hard at my job and i just started getting these crazy um symptoms that i couldn't really explain you know i had a lot of digestive issues and they just kind of got progressively worse and they um they started really ruining my weekends you know my when i did have time off i was always miserable um, I also at that point in time was exercising a couple times a day. Um, I was like really restricting my calories. I wasn't, I mean, I never had any sort of form of like technical disordered eating, but I was definitely doing a low calorie, low fat thing. Um, I had a very specific body type that I was going for, right? Like I got very sucked into that kind of like fitspo thing that I think a lot of women my age are very tempted by. Um, and I, uh, I lost about 25 pounds in like maybe three or four months. Um, when I got down to the lowest weight that I'd ever been, I, you know, I thought I looked better than I'd ever looked before. And I had never been that sick. Um, I just had so many digestive problems. I had, you know, I was completely exhausted. Um, and so I went to a nutritionist, um, and started working with her and she suggested that I do a couple different things. Um, but basically she said, you know, I want you to do kind of a, this diet is very much like the paleo diet, right? So this is kind of what I want you to focus on. And it's always been easier for me to say like, this is a strict set of rules that I'm going to follow. So even though she gave me a list that wasn't exactly paleo, it was like a modified candida diet. Um, it was a lot easier for me to go like buy all the paleo things and read all the paleo blogs and decide that that's what I was going to do. And, and, you know, probably, um, 75% of my digestive symptoms went away within like three days. I mean, it was one of those, you know, it's, it's, you hear that all all the time, but it was just, for me, it was like, I'm never gonna, 
never going to go back. Um, I had been gluten-free in college for a while. And when I started paleo, I had been dairy-free for about a year because I had identified that that um, was really kind of a trigger for me. Um, and then um, going gluten-free also helped a whole lot. And I also cut back. I was sugar-free for the first three or four months that I was paleo. I didn't eat any sugar at all. Um, I didn't drink for several months. And so it was... Um, I was 23 at the time. So that was really, that was an interesting period for me because I just was trying to learn as much as I possibly could. And I kind of, um, you know, I think one of the things that's really difficult about being this age and deciding that you're going to make a transition like that is that, you know, it's usually not what all your friends are doing, especially if you're saying, I'm not going to drink. Um, I'm not going to ever make a treat, you know, I'm not going to make a paleo treat. Um, it's hard for a lot of people to understand. And I was almost lucky in that I had been so sick for so long that my friends and my family and everyone that I talked to about it was like, we're so glad that you feel better. You know, um, the guy I was dating at the time was really, he was actually the one that said, maybe you should not eat gluten. Like maybe gluten is what's making you sick. And, um, so you know, he was very supportive in that way and like understood that, you know, whatever makes you feel better is great. Um, so from there I still had, um, that was about a year ago, a little over a year ago. I still had some digestive symptoms that I couldn't quite figure out. And I had, um, I was very much exhausted and I started reading a lot more about adrenal fatigue and decided I was pretty sure that I, I had adrenal fatigue. Um, and so I, moved from Florida to Tennessee for a a job. Um, I got hired at a paper after I was interning at the paper in Florida. And I, um, I just, when I moved there, I didn't know a whole lot of people in Chattanooga. And I, um, you know, I sort of decided that I was still, um, I was still sick. I was still trying to kind of climb back from a lot of the stuff that I had been going through um, before. And I, wanted to really focus on my health and focus on figuring out how to work the principles that I had learned into my life. And, um, so for me, that meant spending a whole lot of time really teaching myself how to cook. You know, as soon as I started, um, eating paleo, I, I started cooking things that I'd never cooked before and just really sort of like lost all fear about not knowing how to put things together. And, um, so that was really a good, um, experience for me. But when I moved to Tennessee, I really started, digging into that a lot more and buying a lot of cookbooks and spending my Saturdays just like cranking out a bunch of new stuff that I had never made before and making pate and, you know, all those, um, fun kind of nutrient dense things. Um, and so when I met you guys in Nashville at a book signing last year, I asked Sarah if she could recommend a doctor in the area because where I was living in Tennessee was about two hours from Atlanta. And she said, yeah, I actually go to this great doctor in Atlanta yeah. and, and um, pointed me towards him. And that was kind of the the final piece of the puzzle. I was able to work with him and figure out um, that I have low thyroid function and I have some other hormonal dysregulation and that I do have adrenal fatigue and getting a really good picture of what that looked like and what that meant for me and how I needed to dial in lifestyle factors like sleep and stress management is really huge for me. Um, I am definitely type A, I'm definitely you know, an overachiever. And so it's very difficult for me to step back and kind of take care of myself. Stacy and I don't have any idea what that's yeah, like. Right. Yeah. Um, so that was really, that was really, that was the point that was last winter. And that was the point where I really decided, okay, I'm gonna, 
you know, I'm going to go to bed at 9.30 or 10 every night. You know, I'm 24 now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to bed really early and um, I'm going to kind of take some time to focus on that sort of thing. Um, so I did that for really probably three, three or four months. Um, and, and then I started when I really felt like I had gotten healthier, I started kind of, okay, I can go out to eat with my friends again and I can go out and drink again. And, um, you know, I think one of the best gifts that paleo has given me is the ability to identify what things make me feel good and what things make me feel bad. And, you know, I'm finally at a place now where I can decide to do things that don't make me feel good. Right. And, and I know exactly what's going to happen when I do those things. And so for a long time, I felt really out of control. I felt like I couldn't figure out why I was exhausted and why I was having all these problems and what foods were bothering me when I ate them and what foods weren't. And, um, you know, I, I felt like I couldn't ever have a cup of coffee again, you know? And so um, really dialing in like lifestyle factors and, and making sure that I'm sleeping enough. And when I have those things keyed in, I can figure out, um, how something's going to make me feel. And I can have a couple of drinks and I know exactly how I'm going to feel in the morning. And it's not going to be the best version of myself, but sometimes <laughs> that's the decision that you make yeah. when you're 25, you know, or so a lot older than 25. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so I'm in a really very happy place now where I can kind of, um, you know, I view this as a lifestyle and a, a set of behaviors that I follow because they make me feel really great. And so I'm less concerned about whether particular foods um, are paleo or whether they even work for somebody else that has um, adrenal fatigue or, or low thyroid function or whatever. I really am interested in doing things, finding that balance between having fun with my friends and living the life that I want to, I want to live, um, and still, you know, being energetic and lively enough to do those things. And so I am a little bit of a delicate flower. I do have to pay attention to those things more than some of my friends. Um, but you know, I'm really happy with the place that I'm in and with the work that I've kind of done to figure out um, how to make myself healthy. You know, my doctor tells me all the time, like, if we could get a hold of other people <laughs> as young as we got a hold of you, then we could really improve a lot of people's yeah. lives. Because I think figuring out when you're really young, um, those kind of puzzle pieces and how they fit together, even getting 60% of the handle on those things when you're young is a really, it's a really cool gift. It's, um, not to draw parallels between you and my children, because that's not what I'm trying to do here. <laughs> but it's actually one of the ways that I frame those conversations with my kids. So when we talk about um, food dice has been, I think, the bigger conversation with my oldest lately, because she's really realized how bad she feels when she has anything with food dyes and really anything like it's not just red number 40. It's all food dies and she gets very emotional and she really loses the ability to control her behavior. And then that frustrates her. It, like it's really an awful feeling for her to not be in control. And so we, we had this conversation of, you know, well, you know, yes, that, that candy is gluten-free and it's dairy-free and, you know, it's basically just sugar and food dye. Um, and so, you know, yes, that meets our, our, sort of general criteria for a treat, but because it has these other things, you're still not going to feel good if you have it. 
And she really made the decision this Halloween not to have anything with food dyes, which meant that they didn't, she didn't have anything out of her trick or treat bucket, not one thing this year. And I've been using the opportunity when we have these conversations to really frame it as in, you know, it took me personally, you know, 35 years to figure these things out and figure out why some of these foods, you know, don't work for me, why some of them do, and not understanding that the way that I felt wasn't normal. And that the great thing about figuring these things out for her at this age is she gets to, you know, she gets to know that as she grows up, you know, she gets to, um, she gets to have that, right. She gets to, to have that focus on foods that are going to help her grow old in a really healthy way. And that, you know, she should be able to avoid a lot of the health problems that I had to go through or that other people go through because she's figured out at such a young age, how to have this really nutrient dense, right? We talk about nutrients a lot and it's just the way I talk. Um, (laughs) But, but that we sort of, we use that opportunity to really say like, this is, this is a really good thing. And I know that sometimes it makes you feel different. It makes you feel like you're missing out, but what you really have is this great power that you understand what it is that keeps you healthy and keep you healthy for the rest of your life. And that you're not always playing catch up. Like, I think that's something I feel for me is that I'm doing all of these things for my health and I'm constantly trying to battle the damage from, you know, three decades with Hashimoto's before I actually knew that's what was going on. Um, Guestimate based on symptoms. Um, And so I'm constantly trying to figure out how to get my hormones regulated and get my immune system to do what it's supposed to do and get my metabolism to do what it's supposed to do and have my, you know, brain chemistry do what it's supposed to do. Like all be in this, like trying to, trying to put a bandaid on this three decades of built up damage and dysfunction. And there's certain things that I can still reverse completely. And there's certain things that I'm going to continue to struggle with because of just how entrenched or how damaged those pathways are. And so it's, um, it's still great, right? I, I still found paleo relatively early in life. I still get to look forward to what I can get, but I sort of understand it's one of the things that I get from sort of um, baby boomers, right? So like my parents' generation is the, it's too late for me. And it can feel that way sometimes, like even, even for me, it can feel like, you know, it's like all this work to get, you know, maybe 60% of what I could have gotten if I had done this 20 years earlier. Um, and I think it feels that way too. Like the older you are, the less there's sort of damage that you're kind of fighting. Um, it's a good opportunity to remember that, that, that 60% or that 40%, is still amazing. And you wouldn't be getting that without those changes. And that still does, you know, increase quality of life, right? It still does improve the health for the rest of our lives. Um, It still can influence longevity. And those are things that I think are valuable to everyone at any age. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you know, you talk about decades of damage, you know, I think about what the damage that I've done to my body in the, you know, five or six years of, of dieting that I did you know, I basically from my senior year of high school on, and I'm not, I'm not significantly overweight at all, you know, and no, I, my, all. um, 
my senior year of high school until, um, you know, a year ago, I was on some form of a low fat diet. I was doing some, you know, I did, a, I did special K. I mean, I did all kinds of like, uh, uh I remember doing special, special K. Did you ever do special K? So easy. I didn't like special K, but, um, <laughs> I really liked cereal, (laughs) (laughs) cereal and pudding and like all of the dairy things. I just consumed all of them. I, so there was, I don't think I need to share exactly which, which brands of cereal, but that used to be like, I would just dry cereal. Like, I don't even think I ever really liked most of them with milk. Oh, no, no, no. I needed, like, all the milk. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I liked the cold thing. I needed, I need, I ate them, like, instead of popcorn. And they're, for the record, much more, even not sugary ones are much more sugary and carby density than popcorn would have been a better choice. Frankly, (laughs) let's just say. Well, I would tell myself, I would tell myself that cereal after dinner was a healthy choice because it was milk with calcium and it was a breakfast food and therefore it must be good for you yeah yeah and then you know it was always like frosted wheat and (laughs) corn pops uh, corn pops and lucky charms and believe it or not raisin bran which also has high fructose corn syrup in it like it is overly sweetened the way that (laughs) okay that just blew my mind twice in a row in like about one and a half seconds so a raisin bran was a treat cereal because that (laughs) just blew my mind right there because ugh. and then B that it has high fructose corn syrup in it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that was just a double whammy for my brain. I remember measuring I remember measuring three quarters of a cup of cereal oh, and there was no that for breakfast and <laughs> that's it's I, I I would contend that it's worse to measure your three quarters of a cup of cereal. I know, I think cereal for me cereal. Granted, so I, yeah, I half a box is a serving, right? Yeah. Totes. I would, I mean, I would be like, oh, you know, so it's a hundred calories and three quarters of a cup, which means that seven handfuls is a hundred calories, right? Yeah. <laughs> like that was, that was my really bad, really bad. So for, you know, to, to bring that into paleo relevantness, I think that that mentality of, is it, that's, it's a disordered mentality with food. Like it's, it's, <laughs> we're making jokes because that's what you, that's what you've got to do. Right. But there is this point that everybody has to go through in their life where they recognize, oh, that that's not actually healthy behavior. Um, and what, what I think is relative to like the paleo conversation is people, people trade those habits for paleo foods when they come into paleo and then they don't see success. So, you know, if you're eating or someone, you know, is eating a ton of nuts or grain-free granola or, you know, whatever, whatever it is that they've replaced like snacky cereal type food. Or doing the other side, doing the measuring thing. Yeah. 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 I I mean, I think, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, I think that it's kind of, we, we talk about that you know, in different various forms, but I thought just because we were, we were making very light of a situation that really, yeah. really wasn't quite, it was, it was a serious situation. I know for Sarah. So and I. It, it's interesting because I think it's something that I run into a lot with girlfriends my age. Right. I mean, I, I think I'm in the middle of that period where you, particularly if you're single, right. Like you, you have to look a certain way or you're going to be yeah. alone for the you're rest feeling of your a life. Lot of right. Yes. 
There's a lot of pressure all of a sudden. Yeah. And you're 25, you got two years tops, right? That's that's the horrible, horrible pressure that's put on you. That's absolutely not true, but yeah, it's a crushing weight. Crushing weight. (laughs) It's really not that bad, but I mean, (laughs) I think it's, um, you know, high school was worse, right? Like we cared about how we looked, but, but it is difficult because I think when you're out on your own and you're, you're in those couple of years after college, you feel like it's your responsibility to figure out how to feed yourself, which can be difficult. Yes. And then, you know, and there's also friends... nobody to know what you're like. Right. I, I felt so liberated, but in a very unhealthy way when I was finally like on my own living yeah. by myself because I could eat the, you know, family fun sized bag of M&Ms right. all in one evening right. that was 4,000 calories no and nobody know. would know. And like, for me, that, um, that was, it was something I took advantage of, right. That I yeah. could, I wasn't sneaking food because who was there to hide from? And it was, um, it was, I, I mean, I took it as like license to eat all the things. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there are just a lot of, there are a lot of confusing messages. There are a lot of, um, you know, everybody wants that magic bullet. That's going to make them lose the last 10 pounds and I would like a feel bullet. fantastic. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult for everyone. And I think it's difficult when you feel like, uh, you know, I, it's, it's now my job to figure out exactly what I'm going to put into my body and what it's going to do to me. And, and most people, um, you know, most people, if they can cook two meals a week are doing really well, I think, I mean, I, I think that's impressive. Like I don't expect anyone, I like to cook. And so for me, that's, that's a true joy to get in the kitchen and, and make three meals a day, but not everybody feels that way. And so I think for those people, the, um, granolas in the morning and the paleo baked goods and the nuts that they can eat for snacks. I, I think for a lot of people, you know, one of the cool things that's happened to me in the past year or so is that a lot of people have come to me and said, I really want to try this out. I want to try it for 30 days or I want to try it because I just found out that I also have Hashimoto's and I want to figure out how to make that better. And um, when those people come to me in the beginning and they say like, what do I do? You know, I send them everything I possibly can about nutrient density. And usually they come back to me and say, you know, I'm eating a smoothie every morning for breakfast. Is that okay? And my general reaction is, um, you're going to get sick of that smoothie in about two weeks and, you know, maybe try to cut back on the fruit, but it's better than the cereal you were eating before, you know? And if that's how you can figure out how to make it work, you're eventually going to get to a point where you dive down the rabbit hole with everyone else and you read about, you know, whatever. And before we know it, you're going to eat a can of sardines for breakfast three times a week, you know? Most people will get there eventually. I think. Most, <laughs> most people will not. But it's not, not sardines. Well, yeah. leftovers. Yeah. I, mean, I is... think we all know I'm not getting to sardines. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean, to me, I think the biggest thing is leftovers. So my my eight-year-old, yes. her new favorite breakfast is leftover 50-50-50 burgers. And so I've started whenever I make them, I make seven to eight pounds of meat worth. And we eat it for one one night. So I'll I'll maybe make 24 burger patties. We'll eat it for one night for dinner. And then I freeze the rest of the patties so we can just quickly reheat them in the morning. And that's, she's decided she would rather have that with some fruit on the side than eggs. And like, how am I supposed to say no to a kid who wants a hamburger that has liver in it for breakfast (laughs) every day? And I just, to me, I love the fact that she doesn't even really like, it's been so long now 
that she doesn't even recognize that as being an unusual breakfast choice. And I think that's one of the things that paleo really does is it really forces you to breakfast is the first thing that you eat of the day. And it no longer has to fit this mold of, you know, pancakes and scrambled eggs and sausage. Yeah. You know, like it, it changes, it changes what foods are acceptable. That's a really good tip. I think for, for single folks as well, it was really helpful for me once I, um, it's a little bit different for me now because I work from home. I tend to make most of my meals or I'll you know, eat, um, dinner from the night before for lunch the next day when I was, um, still working as a reporter and I was out of the house all day. Um, I would generally do a big batch cook on Sunday and then I would do a smaller batch cook on like Wednesday where I would make like two or three things. And my batch cook was generally like five different kinds of vegetables, like three or four of them were roasted. I'd like roast, I don't know, carrots and parsnips and, um, asparagus or whatever's in season. And then I would cook a big thing of greens. I would saute down some greens and then I would usually make like breakfast sausage and, um, some kind of big stew. Um, I really, Stacey, I really like your juicy pot roast. So I would make that. I, I had a quarter cow, which I don't necessarily recommend that every single woman do <laughs> at 23, but it worked out really well for me because I had a ton of roasts and so much, um, meat and, and got to figure out how to cook a bunch of different types of things. But, you know, so I would make a bunch of stuff on Sunday and then I would eat whatever I felt like in the morning when I woke up. So I would eat a little bit of salmon in the morning or I would eat some breakfast sausage sometimes, or, um, you know, I would eat a bunch of veggies and some kind of protein. And that's what most of my meals look like. They're a bunch of veggies and some kind of protein, um, and some fat and you know, some carbs after I work out. And that's, um, that's how I try to view them. So I don't, I'm really bad anymore. at like looking things looking. I do. I have recently come to love eggs again for breakfast, but I stopped eating them for a long time. Um, when I was on AIP. And so, um, so that, that's really the only reason that I observe the formalities of breakfast anymore. And I go to brunch with my friends and get omelets, but, um, but it's really helpful. I think if you can just like think of it as throwing some stuff on a plate, and eating it at a time of the day. You know? Yeah. I, th I think it helps to get out of the, out of the mindset that breakfast needs to look like something and lunch needs, you know, lunch needs to be a, you know, sandwich and a salad, like it, getting out of those stereotypes um, and just getting to meat and veggies in some form. Yeah. I also yeah. really like the idea that was kind of introduced to me from other food bloggers that do it really well of kind of reinventing the things that you already have. So like when you talk about food prep, I think, you know, some people are like, well, you know, what does that mean? For some people they go, you know, that you can create meals in baggies or, or jars. You can create salads in containers for the week. You can, you know, make a, a big roast and then partition some out for the week and then some in the freezer for later. But beyond that, I know like Melissa Jewell one was the first one to ever that I've ever seen actually do this like in her original well-fed book. But I know that there's a lot of information on the web now about doing this, like what, what is like a weekly prep of pre-cooking some proteins and some vegetables, pre-chopping it, doing whatever on a, you know, a certain day of the week. So that then when you're ready for whatever meal it is, you have a go-to of different things that you can literally just throw in a pan together. And I think the the interesting part for me is this idea of also making like different flavor combinations and pre 
pre pre-preparing things like rubs or dressings or marinades or sauces that could then transform the food that it doesn't have to get monotonous, you know, for, for you to have that. And I know that there are a lot of companies and brands that are making paleo friendly, um, sauces and things like that, but it's really easy to pull together yourself too, to, because what I would think if I were single, like I would just be making one pot of soup and a roast and just like eating that all week long. Cause I don't cook and yeah. I would be miserable the whole time because I was <laughs> eating the same meal over and over again, but I would be like too lazy to figure out how to make something else. So I mean, that it's you, you get desperate desperation and boredom will, will lead you to a skill set that you, <laughs> you like never imagined you would develop. Um, and you know, it's, if I had like one tip for, cause I do that, I, I would, especially when I would roast veggies, I would throw them into a salad for lunch. Um, cause I think salads can be really boring, but I also think that they can contain like a lot of texture and flavor. And I put leftovers in my salad and that to me is really exciting. Um, but my like number one, um, tip for, folks who are like just starting out on paleo, if you tolerate eggs, make some mayonnaise. It sounds like I'm a mayonnaise zealot. There's really no, I've taught like 18 people how to make mayonnaise at this <laughs> point. I'm trying to bring back the art. Like I want to, I, I don't know. I just think that it makes, you can use it in a bunch of different sauces. You can make yourself some ranch dressing. You can make some, I don't know, some really fabulous dip. Um, it's very simple. It's really hard to get clean mayonnaise at the store. There are a couple brands that I think are really good, but, um, but it's difficult and expensive. And so if you can make it yourself, you can figure out so many different ways to just make things exciting. Mayonnaise excitement. Yeah, I agree. Cause mayonnaise can transform into so many different things from honey mustard to ranch to aiolis to like, it's just it's an amazing. You know what's surprisingly amazing, and that's not a normal use for mayonnaise. So you you actually coat uh, salmon. I've been doing with it, this, and I've then been doing broil this. it. Yes, yes, it's delicious. It's amazing. I put it's a little like, dill on like there the too. Yeah, it's like the equivalent of Japanese sushi that's baked. Matt's been doing that for me for a while. Like, oh, where, yeah. And the Trader Joe's dried dill is my absolute favorite dill. I don't know if you guys have tried that, but it's no. like really large flakes of it and it's so good just sprinkled he'll usually make like a garlic aioli with the um with like mashed garlic and dill and mayonnaise and just yeah. like, i thought i was yeah. being all inventive that i no. had a thing we're, we're there with you okay we're all the three very inventive women and everybody else is listening to this podcast and mine is blown right now so is there are there any other like topics that i should address well i guess i mean what um, you've mentioned a few times, like going out to eat with your friends yeah, and that's something that I think people, especially if they're following the autoimmune protocol or if they have some other, right, like a, a, a no fly zone when it comes to some kind yeah. of food, right. It, that's a struggle for anybody. Mm-hmm. But I think when you're young and you're single, um, you, I generally, I certainly went out a lot more than I do now, which is never, um, so, I mean, even once would have been more than now, but, but no, I mean, I, I did, you, you see at restaurants a lot. We used to go out for drinks a lot. We used to have appetizers at the bar or whatever. And, yeah. um, we did a lot of food centered socialization or drinking centered socialization. So how do you navigate that with, with non paleo friends? Because that is, 
definitely, I think, a challenge that has, right, it has two sides to it. How do you get food that you can eat? And how do you not make yourself feel like a party pooper? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, the number one thing to recognize is that, um, you know, I think there's the potential to really isolate yourself when you um, start a new protocol or you start a new diet or um, you start eating in a new way. The word diet had air quotes there. Yeah. It's really, I was the only one who could see it. It's really, it's really easy to think like, I'm just never going to eat out again because I'm going to stay in my kitchen where I can control everything. And, you know, I'm safer there and I'm not going to make myself sick. And in some situations, that's certainly necessary. There are some people for whom eating out is just an unnecessary risk. But I think for the average person who is in, in, you know, the place that I'm in, um, it just takes a little bit of creativity. And so, you know, the first thing, um, you can find any menu ever online. So I really like to try new restaurants. I like to find new things. I think farm to table and, um, sort of traditional American, um, cooking with really quality ingredients is definitely at least where I live, uh, in, in, in Indianapolis, it's, it's, um, it's kind of the thing, right? So people want to eat at farm to table restaurants and they want to eat somewhere where you can get pastured pork and really good quality eggs. And that's certainly not, not my main criteria when I go out to eat, but I like to look for places like that. If it's up to me to choose the restaurant, because I know that I'm going to get, um, and you know, usually those places will cook with butter instead of canola oil and that kind of thing. They're, they're, or olive oil. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. Um, so they're a little more aware. And so that's what I look for if it's up to me. I also um, really like to eat at Mexican restaurants. I can't eat nightshades. So if you can't, that's usually out. Um, but I, you know, if I can get a good fajita plate somewhere, I'm usually pretty happy with that. My parents live in a really small town in Indiana and my favorite restaurant since I was a child is a Mexican place. And so that's what I usually get when I go with them. Um and, you know, most places will give you a salad um, with a chicken breast or a naked burger patty or some kind of protein, um, you know, and in those situations, I think it's really important first to look at the menu online. If the menu isn't clear about what, you know, for me, my lines are, it's got to be gluten free. In most cases, it's got to be dairy free. Um if I have exposure to those things, it's going to ruin my night, right? So it's not really worth it for me to go out to dinner at six o'clock and get accidentally glutened and be completely sick by eight and have to go home. And so, you know, I think of it like I want to have fun and this is what I have to do to have fun. And, you know, none of my friends have a problem with that. They all know that that's important to me. And none of them want me to be sitting in the backseat complaining all night. So, you know, for the sake of, of myself and everyone else around me, um, I kind of make those things a priority. And so I always call the restaurant ahead of time. If it's not clear, I Google the heck out of menus. Um, and I usually ask the wait staff at the restaurant, um, can you make sure that this is gluten-free? Can you, um, can you make sure that there's no gluten in the seasoning or the rub or whatever, whatever you're eating. Um, so that's what I usually do when I'm going out with friends or family. Um, dating is a little bit more difficult. Um, I will say that that like, that's something that nobody ever talks about, but I think it's really like, it's really interesting to note that, you know, I have been out with, um, guys who eat paleo and I've been out with guys who don't, and nobody really, seems to have a problem with me saying like, I don't want to go to the pizza place. I try to 
pick the restaurant if it's an option, um, be the person that suggests the restaurant or just sort of gently suggest like, let's not go to the pizza place or the Chinese restaurant or whatever. Um, and I, you know, I just don't make it a big deal. I say like, if they ask, I say I'm gluten-free and dairy-free and, you know, I don't feel like I have to say on a first date, I eat paleo because I, because of these reasons or whatever. Um, but you know, it's sort of a, it's like a familiarity discussion. Um, but you know, again, not the situation where like nobody else's, um, you know, I am exactly the person that I am and I don't really like to make concessions for uh, other people's opinions. So it's way more important for me to feel good at the end of the day and to be, um, to know that I've made really good decisions for my body than it is for, you know, some guy that I'm meeting for the first time to not think it's weird that I ask the waiter if there's gluten in the stir fry or whatever, you know, I mean, it's, that's, that's what I really have to focus on. I have to focus on my health as a priority. And there are definitely areas where I, where I give and where I, um, where I'm okay, you know, kind of bending a little bit. Um, you know, I like to go to bars on occasion and, and drink responsibly with my friends. And, um, I don't, I'm not interested in, in, you know, going out and partying, but I think that that's kind of an important part of socializing for a lot of people my age. And so I know how that makes me feel now and I can make those decisions. Um, but again, I'm never going to go out if I don't feel like it and I'm never going to do it just for my friends. And, um, so that's been really cool for me to kind of figure out in the last couple of years too, that it's way more important for me to feel good at the end of the day and to make everybody else comfortable. I think that's a really good point about being educated and then not being afraid to kind of be assertive with that education, i.e., you know, looking up menus, calling ahead, suggesting restaurants that you know that you can eat at. I mean, we live in an area where luckily I can find a gluten-free menu at almost any place that we go. Um, but, you know, when I was traveling, there were some times where I'll, I'll be somewhere and they don't even know what gluten is. And I remember being in a town where I couldn't find anything and I ended up getting a hot dog from a 7-Eleven and just telling them no bun. And the guy told me at the counter that that was the first time anybody had not gotten a bun on the hot dog <laughs> ever. And I was like, okay. Um, but I think, you know, that I, I apply a lot of the stuff that you were just talking about in my day-to-day -day with work because although I'm a family person and, you know, Matt makes the meals and we eat as a family at the house and blah, blah, blah. You know, I go on work lunches all the time and I, I usually am not the one picking where we're going. Um, and sometimes I don't have time to plan ahead, but if I do, you know, I always kind of take the opportunity to make a suggestion at a place where I know I can eat. That's also convenient or, you know, look ahead on the menu. Um, because it is, I don't want to say that it's wrong because I want to encourage everyone to feel comfortable and assertive about what their own needs are. But for me, it's uncomfortable to make a scene about, you know, can I talk to someone about contamination practices yes. and gluten-free yes. and all that kind of stuff while, while you're trying to not disrupt the flow of whatever it is that you're doing, i.e. Yeah. Yes. socializing with friends or having a business meeting or, or whatever. So the more that I can you know, plan ahead and get ahead of that and, and know and feel comfortable and just simply say, like, 
you know, I'm celiac if you can make sure that that stays yeah. free. Then it's yeah. like a, not a big deal and, you know, we move on. But um, I think those are those are really good points and relative not just to, to single people, but there was just a lot of crossover for me in terms sure. of my, you know, day yeah. life. And I think it's, I mean, I think it's a matter of, you know, mo- people, other people aren't going to notice if you're calling the restaurant ahead of time, right? Like they don't know that you looked at the menu. 90% of the time they don't know that you suggested the restaurant because you have dietary restrictions. Um, I am very, you know, having said all that really great stuff about like not caring what other people think, I never want to, I never want my dietary restrictions to make anybody else uncomfortable. And I never want them to be the focus of like really anything that goes on socially in my life. And so, you know, I try to, um, do the work on my end so that other people don't have to sort of deal with that stuff. Right. And sometimes that means that I eat before I go somewhere. Sometimes that means that I eat before I go out to a restaurant with my friends or before I go over to a dinner party, I have a little bit of a snack because I don't, you know, necessarily want to make other people cook things that work for me. Um, and so, you know, a lot of times that also means that I keep an Epic bar in my purse and I eat that in a corner of the room when no one's looking like (laughs) it has happened before it will happen again. Um, you know, you're at a party and all your friends are ordering pizza and you're like, I can't eat that. And I need a snack. It just, you know, it takes a little more planning and forethought. And I like to think that it'll pay off in the end, but you know, it is, I think it is. I can, I can tell you that it does pay off in the end because (laughs) for, for every uncomfortable, you know, RX bar that I've eaten in the corner of uh, a lunch meeting. And that has happened way a lot of times where, you know, I'll be in an all day meeting and they bring in a lunch that I can't eat. It's like, Oh, good thing. I have this, this protein bar. Um, but the, the good news is that the longer they've been doing it, the more it's become, obnoxious and the more people are kind of I think for me I've kind of toned down the enthusiasm and a you know assertive aggressive approach that I had about it and the passion like all that kind of stuff has kind of come to an an even level and when people are interested or curious they'll talk to me about it and yes. you know then it becomes an an interesting dialogue and a conversation starter about you know well this is what it did for my health, my family's health. And it's, it's a lifestyle choice that we make. And also if I eat gluten, um, I will get cancer (laughs) because I have celiac disease and I'd prefer not to do that. So it's, you know, it's a matter of kind of educating and, and conversing with people I think is a good opportunity. And when I'm at a happy hour, I order a seltzer water with a lime because it looks like a gin and tonic and I don't have to have a conversation with people about not drinking. And so I I think from my perspective, it has gotten, I've had a couple of client meetings who clients knew who I was and asked for me to come to client meetings for things that like had nothing to do with me (laughs) and my regular job. Um, This past couple of weeks I got recognized. I took an employee out to lunch and then um, I was at a company, um, event. It was like at a bowling alley and I got recognized at both places and my, my business, you know, the people that I work with that I would think of as the equivalent to like your single social group, they just think it's hysterical. (laughs) They just think it's, they're like, we just can't believe that like people know who you are and they care what you say. And I'm like, I know that's how I feel about it, but it's, (laughs) it's a really good, I mean, like it's, it started a lot of conversation and interest in my business and um, a ton of people have gotten, Sarah, I haven't even told you this, but a ton of people got standing desks and one person even got one of those like manual steppers. Have you, 
seen those? Yeah. It's like, it's like the equivalent of the bicycle under the desk, only she's literally stepping while she's working. And hardcore. Yeah, I'm like, that's more hardcore than me when I'm walking on the treadmill. <laughs> like, I could not do that. And she, like, wears full-on sneakers and is so into it. And everybody in the office has gotten really into it. And so I think my whole point with that long shebang is to simply say that I think the more we represent ourselves as being positive and feeling good and a lifestyle that um, encourages, that helps us be healthy and glow and all that kind of stuff, the more people are kind of drawn and interested to the information. And in the beginning for us, it was a lot of awkwardness and uncomfortableness and um, concerned about what would people think. And also like, how do I frame this so that I'm not a weirdo? And I think now that paleo first of all has become more popular and it's not this weird thing that that random girl is doing um but also you know people see sustained health improvements and your friends your coworkers, your whomever will hopefully be in- influenced in a positive way yeah i mean it's been really cool for me the last just in the last several months um i've had one girlfriend who um just decided I'm just going to completely jump in a hundred percent, send me a couple emails with some information and I'm just going to do it. And her has had like a complete health turnaround, lost like 30 pounds in like a very short amount of time, like maybe two months. I mean, it just feels fantastic and absolutely loves it. I have two friends. One of my girlfriends just texted me um, a picture because she's making some ghee in her kitchen. She's doing um, a challenge right now. And, um, you know, they, they asked me how they would go about trying out paleo and and what the best way for them to do that would be. And, you know, they'll go to the supermarket and take pictures of the stuff that they're buying and ask me, um, you know, what's this ingredient and what's it going to do. And, um, and that's really cool for me. You know, those conversations come not from me ever really talking about, um, the way that I'm eating, um, it's just from me, you know, making, ordering food in front of them or, um, or, you know, whatever. There's, they, a, there's a, there's a, it's, it takes some practice, but there's a way to sort of be a role model and a source of information without, um, making people feel bad about what they're doing without being evangelical, like without, um, without, being pressured, you know, pressuring somebody else. And I think that it's one of the things that I get a lot, right? Because, you know, like if I say, go work out at my CrossFit box, where people know who I am and what I do. And I, there's, there's this group, multiple people who always are trying to rationalize like why they ate that brownie. That's like a totally normal brownie. It's not a paler brownie. I'm just like, it's no judgment. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm here to work out. I am not here to judge you on your food choices. Like you choose what works best for you. If you have a question, I'm happy to answer it. But I, this is, I'm doing this for me. This is, you know, my choice for my body. And it doesn't mean that, um, you know, it means I, I care about you, but I respect your autonomy and your in- intelligence and your independence. So go ahead and make a choice for yourself. I will guide my children to making good choices because they're mine and I'm the boss of them. But, um, you know, for colleagues who, you know, I, I get it a lot. It's this, uh, like, I need to rationalize, you know, people say, oh, I'm, I'm mostly paleo. Right. And I'm like, great. If, you know, like, great. I, yeah. Um, it's sort of an interesting thing. So for me, I try very hard 
I just try not to bring it up. Um, yes. But then if someone asks a question, then I'm really happy to engage in that conversation. Um, and for me, I we really don't eat out very, very often. And so it becomes sort of a, a non-issue because we're not sort of publicly displaying our different way of eating terribly frequently. I think the, the most, um, the most that we get that would be, for example, like sending in special treats for my kids at school when there's a birthday party. Um, and so then there's, there's a little bit of that or, or maybe even more like bringing a treat for my kids to have when they go to another kid's birthday party. So that's, you know, we just, we, we figured out if it's going to be just cake at that party, if it's going to be pizza and cake. And then we, we, pack something that our kids can have that will make them feel great and not cause horrific gastrointestinal distress. And, um, and then I, you know, I say, Oh, my kids have allergies and I brought something else for them to eat. And it's then sometimes there's like that opportunity to start a conversation or it's just a, thank you so much. I, you know, I didn't know I would have got something and I said, well, your job to worry about my kids. You just organized a birthday party. Let me worry about my kid. Like, and here's some stuff they can eat. Here you go. Um, but for me, I feel like just generally, um, I prefer to be, you know, take on that in my private life to take on that role of like, I'm here if you've got questions, but it's not my job to talk somebody into a diet change. And I think that when you approach it that way, it avoids a lot of those awkward social conversations where suddenly, you know, my food choices or my food sensitivities are the center of the social event, which I also think is not right. the point. Right. And I mean, I think, you know, for me, it's that sort of fine line of, um, you know, if you can eat a regular brownie and, and not get sick, I'm a little jealous, yeah. you know, it's not, um, I wish that I was less sensitive to those things and that I could be a little less concerned when I went I out. And it's, it's still have dreams. I don't know if I've told you this. I, if I told you this, Stacey, I still have dreams where I've eaten three slices of a pizza and then I realize what I've eaten all the time. I've yeah. Time. I have those dreams too. Yeah. And then I'm like, Oh no, I just ate three pieces yes. of pizza and it's gluten and dairy and nightshades all in one. The three worst things for me. And, uh, and it's, you know, in the dream, it's like the best thing I ever ate. And then the moment of like, of, of awareness and horror at, at what just happened. And then the, the feeling of waiting. And I, I will wake up like in a sweat from those dreams. Yeah. Yeah. I have those dreams too. And it's, it is a, it's a harder way. I mean, having that knowledge of how things affect you in a lot of ways is, you know, we talk about it being fabulous because we've been able to improve our health, but it also is, you know, you can never go back from that. You can never unlearn the things that you've learned about what particular foods and behaviors will do to you. And so that is a lot, you know, for me, that's a a little bit of a burden, you know, sometimes it feels that way. There's a little, remember the olden days. Right, right. But I mean, I, when I could eat four pounds of Halloween candy after the trick-or-treaters were done and I only felt violently ill, but I didn't (laughs) actually know what I was doing to myself. No, I don't miss those. I mean, uh, there's, there's I remember those days. Those were your pre-diabetic days. (laughs) Yes. As a matter of fact, there was a strong correlation between eating four pounds of Halloween candy after the trick-or-treaters were gone and my blood sugar levels being in the pre-diabetic range. Miraculously. Weird. Inexplicably. All right. right. So let's wrap this up by 
Claire giving us three top tips for people who are single and struggling to make paleo work. Okay. Um, my first tip is to use whatever refrigerator and freezer space, particularly freezer space you have to your advantage. So, um, you're going to save a whole lot of money by cooking at home. Um, you can eat out, but I think the best way to make it work and make it sustainable for yourself is to really cook your, cook most of your food at home. Um, and that does not have to be labor intensive. It can mean chopping up three kinds of cold veggies and, um, some chicken breast and eating that. But, um, if you're going to make it work for one person, um, you're definitely going to want to freeze some stuff. So, you know, if you cook a meal, freeze half of it and you can always pull it out of the freezer. Um, but there's nothing worse than looking in your refrigerator and realizing that you've let three portions of something go bad because you forgot about it in the back of your fridge. Um, I do have a, a chest freezer that I use for myself. I live with a roommate and it is my freezer and it is completely full. Um, <laughs> and awesome. so I buy stuff in bulk. Um, my second tip is to, um, don't feel like you have to shop at a specialty grocery store. So don't feel like you necessarily have to go to, um, whole foods to find all the like specialty paleo foods, right? Like I think a lot of people get caught up on like, I got to go find that paleo dressing, or I got to go find that like paleo granola that I've seen advertised. You can make most of that stuff yourself. And in most cases, you can find it at your, you know, general grocery store. If you have a lot of time to dedicate to tracking down deals, which you probably, there, there are likely many other things that you would rather do with your Saturday morning. Um, if you are unlike me, I actually really enjoy that stuff. So, um, in most cases you can figure out, you know, find the veggies that you need, find pretty good quality meat. Um, ground beef is a staple in my apartment. Um, and I, uh, I cook that into hashes and I cook it for breakfast and I use that kind of stuff a lot. And most places carry grass fed ground beef. Um, they carry fairly. We were actually just talking about yesterday yeah. that my local Walmart superstore has grass fed ground beef now. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think if you can get to a point where you view paleo as, uh, you know, at its most basic as, um, nutrient dense pieces that you can kind of put together, it becomes really easy to see like, Oh, I can make that work at my Kroger or my Marsh or my Walmart or wherever. Um, not necessarily just at my whole foods. Um, I also really love Trader Joe's. I think there's some great deals there too. Um, my third tip, um, uh, go live your life the way that you want to, um, go out with your friends um, or stay home if that's what you want to do. Um, you know, don't let your dietary restrictions or your choices or food be something that determines what your social life looks like. Um, I think we forget in paleo, um, when we're talking about lifestyle factors, we forget about the importance of connection and we forget how important it is to um, have really great relationships and have people around and, you know, you can be eating the best quality food in the world and you can be sleeping 10 hours a night and be absolutely miserable because you're lonely. And that is, um, I think the worst thing that could come from trying to make yourself healthier. So, um, you know, I would love it if every person uh, I know who is my age decided that, that this is the way they're going to eat for the rest of their lives. But I 
would want more for all of those people to figure out how to find genuine happiness. And I think it requires a balance of those two things. But, um, you know, don't neglect your social life because you feel like you can't make it work. You absolutely can and should. Awesome. Anything else to add, Sarah? Well, you can see why I hired her, right? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Yep. She's a keeper. Um, no, I just, I thanks Claire for, I mean, all your hard work the last couple of days, this has been a pretty intense, I've never done this with, with before. <laughs> hey, thanks, come fly to my house and we'll just work like 14 hour days for a couple of days and see how that goes. Um, but, but thank you also for being candid and genuine and all those things that I, I know you are anyways, but thank yeah. you for sharing your words of wisdom and Thanks for indulging me in my super fandom, allowing me to live the dream well, on the Paleo View podcast. Um, it's true. <laughs> you are now a, a member of the podcast family, <laughs> and um, you weren't creepy about it at all. So it was, you were, good, good job. High fives. Yeah. That, I heard that geekery. <laughs> <laughs> Loud and clear. Yeah. Thanks for putting up with us, Stacy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you guys enjoy yourself. Listeners, thanks for tuning in. And we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to The Paleo View. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal. Do, 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 do. Is that the song? No, it's not the song. I don't remember. I haven't listened do, to the show. Do, 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 do. Oh, that's the song. Do, do, do. That's the beginning song. Stacy, what's the song? The Paleo View? Yeah. The Paleo View theme song? No, I mean, like, do to do the song. I, I don't know what you're asking me right now. Do to do to do do. It's, it's su- such awful singing that I can't even recognize it enough to fix it. <laughs> it's Sarah. That was Sarah. That was not me. That was Claire. Right. <laughs> oh, if, it was, if I didn't know it was Claire, it would have been less mean. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.